Hey there. It is summer in the city, summer on the East Coast, the Beast Coast, where we are right now. Welcome to the Infuse Show. Uh, I, I'm really excited today because I have Mike and Francesca back with me one more time. It is always a pleasure, guys. How you doing? Hey, the pleasure hey. is mine. What is up, everyone? Hey, man. It's doing good to have... really good. Thanks. It's good to have the band back together. It feels like we haven't done this in a bit, but uh, maybe that's just... Uh, maybe I'm just nuts, but maybe you just miss us a lot. I do. I usually do. Be. I usually just want this thing to keep going on. I uh, and we're also joined. I got to say the, the, the man who keeps this train running, who knows what you did last summer. Frankie Fifth here, the producer extraordinaire is with us as always. And always. I'm looking at uh, the summer and I'm looking at, at the, the clocks and the calendars and what they're telling me. They're telling me it's summer and they're telling me, guys, you know, it's back cannabis trade shows are back and they they're coming back. back they're coming back in a big big way mike i mean there was just one out where we do some work in oklahoma mm -hmm. um michigan's getting one to come up so i thought it might be a really cool thing to since there's you know tons of new people that got into our business and into this space who are going to be thinking of hitting some of these bigger shows in the fall in uh, big major markets there's a big one in New York that we're going to be at. There's a the huge, the king of all shows out in Vegas that we're going to go to. But I thought it'd be cool for our listeners to get you and Francesca, uh, your take on what goes into attending a trade show, what goes on there, uh, you know, takeaways, that kind of thing. So would that behind be cool? the scenes? Yeah. yeah. Would that be cool with you guys? There is a lot to unpack here. <laughs> <laughs> There certainly is. So to set the stage for everybody listening to Infused, we're going to do this thing where we kind of set the stage in this one. I know I used that phrase twice in one jump there, but we're going to talk a little bit about the trade show itself. And then the really cool feature uh, in the fall, we're going to take you to the trade show with us. So we're going to be doing some uh, some segments and some broadcasting from two of the biggest trade shows in the cannabis industry. So um, if I could, let's just jump right into it and let's, uh, let's set the stage for attending a trade show. Um, I'm going to go I'll start with you, Francesca. How do you, um, you know, give me the mindset of you and Mike. How do you guys approach a show? The first thing that we do when we look at whether or not we're going to actually go to a show as attendees, as exhibitors, as anything at all, is that we say like, what is it that we need to get out of this? What is the objective of this show for us yep. personally? And that changes show to show, person to person, business to business, industry to industry, all of those things. So really it's about um, understanding what do we need to get out of this? Because it's going to be different. Um, one of the first things, one of the first, in fact, the first show I ever went to for cannabis was MJ Biz, but it was not in Vegas. It was years and years ago when they had it in DC mm. of all places. Um, and that was after Mike had gone to MJ Biz in Orlando. Right. And so he was, he had checked it out in Orlando and was like, Ooh, this looks really promising. I think that we should get into this and I want you to, to look into it. And I was like, okay. So we went to a show together and it was Awesome. It was such a great experience because we got to get the landscape of the industry and see who the players are, see who exhibits, who's selling what to whom and what kind of language they're using. Um, so we were there with a couple different objectives, but mostly it was to learn and to see, do we even 
belong here. But that's the very first thing that we have to do with any trade show. Otherwise, you're just picking them at random for cities you like or to hit a certain number. It's very arbitrary if you don't have an objective. Right. Yep. And so that one, like you said, Francesca, that was like a scouting mission, mission, a learning type thing, right? Yep. But I think the other part too with that, those shows, especially DC, because we were pretty sure we knew we wanted to start Alias Can and that we were kind of checking some boxes, but we also want to network. Mm-hmm. That was another big objective for us is to meet some people that we thought could potentially be clients and really kind of test our our business idea with them and learn more from them and start trying to build the relationship. So I think, you know, another key objective on that on that particular trip was networking, too. Yeah, for sure, because we we needed to meet people in that industry and in that space. And it was it was fun. It was a good time because uh, you you did pretty easily, I feel like. Um, so besides networking and, and scouting is that the other objective that a lot of people can have when going to a show is to the obvious one of expanding your brand. Cause that's why really you exhibit um, is like, get your name out there, make sure people know who you are, what you offer and that you're, you know, getting in front of a certain audience, recruiting new, new people, all of those things. And um, that can be very expensive if, if in certain ways. You can do an expand your brand objective in a 10 by 10 booth. But what you see a lot in these big, big shows are big, big spends of money um, to do huge booths and lots of giveaways and lights and music and um, construction. And it's just insane sometimes yeah yeah you know like those mega booths that you're talking about whenever i see those you know i've been a part of companies like outside of cannabis that had pretty big booths and the numbers are staggering and it always makes me wonder how much product do you have to sell to make that show worthwhile because like the roi of the show is that something we always look at when we're doing it for ourselves but then if you look at like a really big booth um, the booth itself, the cost of like a, say, say you have like a 40 by 40 or something like that. Mm-hmm. The cost of the booth, the cost of the rental, you can't install it yourself. You have to hire like Freeman's union electricians to do the, in, like the construction usually. Um, and it takes that many more people to staff it too. So you have to have like an army of men and women that you're flying into a city that you're doing hotels and dinners and everything else like the total tab is like Massive. yeah i mean over six 100 figures way easy. over six figures <laughs> like francesca like we one of our first clients nick um this is before you you joined us one of the first clients we had that we were doing helping them with marketing and branding and stuff and they wanted to do like a huge splash at mj biz and so we're in their office francesca i remember the meeting i, do I too. remember i do too we, we were like whiteboarding all this stuff out of what their things were and then our job was to create a marketing plan and go back to them with the here's what it is here's what it cost all that stuff so we were like well what do you mean by big splash and so they went on to describe a booth like a 50 by 50 multiple levels they wanted to have like tiered, like yep. an upper deck, like cocktails, like maybe like an inflatable yeah. King Kong. I shit there you not. There was definitely he an inflatable have... King Kong involved. Yeah. Well, why, yeah. why wouldn't there be? I got one right here. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's it, so we were like, you guys realize that you're looking at like, but like it's 150 grand would be like a quick number for how much this would cost. And wow. then like the record, you could hear the record scratch. 
And one guy, one of the guys, there's three of them. One of them was like, yeah, okay. And the other two were like, fuck no. (laughs) (laughs) We're never doing this. But it's crazy how much money, you know, goes into that. But in terms of expanding your brand, look at the splash that makes. I mean, look at MJ Biz a couple of years ago. um, That one company had Mike Tyson in her booth. You mm-hmm. can, yeah, it was packed over there. You know, everybody knew who the booth that was. So it's a great way to expand your brand, get new clients. You know, really make your your mark. But it's it's a really big question mark in terms of what your ROI will be, unless you have a lot of disposable income. Um, you know, most of us can't justify that type of expense. You know, for and, for a show. and that includes. Um, Mike, that didn't even get into like sponsorships for things oh, like yeah. those can get really expensive because if you have a certain size booth, it usually comes with a sponsorship. And if you right. don't, then you have to pay for the sponsorships and there's different tiers of them and they get more expensive as you put your name on more things. But it's like you're literally paying to put your name on like a lanyard that everybody gets. But I could not tell you one company that was on a lanyard for any show I've ever gone to. So right. talk about ROI. I've, I always heard, um, don't put your name on things people will throw away because what's the hmm. point of that? Yeah, that's um, true. So yeah, there's, there's some pricey stuff you can do to expand your brand. You can also show up in a 10 by 10. And if you are showing and exhibiting in the right market with the right people, you can do the most obvious objective, which is to attract new clients and, and expand your brand that way. So right. there, there are ways to do it that don't, that don't cost six figures. But yeah. when we think about brand omnipresence and things, we're taught, we, we think about big spends. Yep, for sure. Th- those are always interesting things to me. I know, I know what, what you guys are talking about with those two-tiered booths. And it's like, <laughs> it does feel like mean girls are like you're a freaking nerd again. Because like, well, no, the cool kids can go upstairs. They can go up to the uh, the yeah. observation deck, if you will. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's exactly right. Mike, do you remember the booth that was like, the dispensary experience of the future. And it was like, walk you through a whole faux dispensary thing about like how you'll order and everything was all about like the technology behind it and how intuitive it will. And every step of the way, it was like, so is this what's available? It's like, well, no, this is just beta. This is going to be available. It's like, I don't get the point of this. (laughs) Right. I really don't know what you guys are doing here. Yeah. It's It's like, you know what it is? They they committed to getting the, I mean, you have to commit to MJ biz. Sure eight Early. months ahead of time, you know, especially if you want to get a good location. So they committed to it and then they're like, ah, damn it. Our technology is not ready. <laughs> yeah. I think <laughs> you're that's, right. That's what it was. I guarantee it. Coming soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I guess before, so it's pretty obvious before you, you ever dream of being an, an, an exhibitor and throwing that money into a show like this, scouting this thing is, is a great, great kind of insider tip for us. But um, as far as you're just talking about value and ROI, Mike, what do you do to basically evaluate um, the value of a show, whether or not you're going to get something out of it? Are there like a checklist you have? Sort of. I mean, like, you know, I think I think there's a couple of things that Francesca and I look at when because there's a lot of cannabis shows now and we get yeah. solicited a lot by you know different people like, hey, come exhibit or attend or whatever it's going to be. And I know we do public speaking, so we're, you know, going at that route too. So, right. but I think one of the things, at least I know we look at first and foremost is whether the show is a new show or an established show, um, okay. you know, established show, you can get a real good feel of what's the attendees, who, who exhibited, who are the other speakers, you know, all that kind of good stuff. How big is it? Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, you can really get a good feel of it and understand is that can you make the show what you want it to be? Um, a new show can be a real question mark. And I think for us, we, I don't think we've ever done a new show. Um, I'm trying to think back through. I don't think we ever have. We've walked plenty of new shows. Mm -hmm. Nick, I know you and Frank worked a new yeah. show on behalf of one of our clients who needed mm -hmm. booth help and you guys did a new show and the well, your experience at the new show in Chicago mm -hmm. was one that is exactly why we don't exhibit at new shows without going to check them out because the last thing you want to do is spend money and go there and it's a ghost town and the only people walking around are other exhibitors <laughs> and there's stuff to be gained from working with other other exhibitors I mean usually sure. one day of the show I spend walking around just trying to talk with other exhibitors who I think might be, you know, worthwhile clients or partners or whatever it's going to be. But to go to a show and exhibit just to hang out with the other exhibitors, you can walk a show and do that same thing. Yeah. So, you know, like, so I think for me, like, I think the first thing I look at is new versus established. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's really important. And it, it also, it also factors in it's that it doesn't always follow one-to-one -one that new is bad and established is good, but there's, that's right. There is a something to be said when we look at the value of the market for the show that we're going to. I would say that's another kind of check yep. that we have to make on the list of like, yeah. okay, are do we even have any we haven't been to a show in California because we know California doesn't didn't have the clients that we were looking for. So if we don't have anything to offer, why would we spend all of our money to go to that show? Just what to get our name out there for people I, I, like I don't even I can't even imagine what that would be value wise. Right. So you have to look at the market. Can you play in that market? And then, um, you know, we've talked about this isn't our first time going to the New York show. We've been to that one at least twice even though New York just went legal um, or is just going legal. So it seems counterintuitive. I'm talking about know your market, but we know that that is a market we want to play in and we're planting the seeds early on so that it's not brand new. So right. you do have to look at the, the market and know if you're in a new market or if you're in a market that you're, you know, you can enter soon then you have to factor in the lead time from converting those leads into clients too. And know that it's not going to be like you get home and, oh my God, there's something in your inbox. You're totally set. You just made your money back. The chances right. of that happening are slim to none. Yeah. And, and you know, that's a good point about the New York one because we strategically said we want to plant seeds. Mm -hmm. So when people think of sales and marketing type services, we want to be the one they think of as they're starting to develop their business plans and their, and their business models. Like we want to be the ones that are, that come to mind because they've seen us and we've established the presence in that market. So that's strategic versus when we go to MJ biz, which is just like, okay, we're here to build the brand and attract new clients. You know, that's, yeah, and it is see who else is here yeah, and maybe exactly. work with them. Yeah. There, there was yep. something uh, that you both touched on that, that is very, very valid. Just simply, if it's not this particular organizer's first rodeo, if we, if we can put it that way, right. I think it makes all the difference because Mike brought up that I had first experience uh, at a show that was organized by people that weren't in cannabis and hadn't done that many shows. And you could tell. You can also tell, it's very telling to walk into a, a town like Las Vegas when they're hosting MJ Biz and you look around the bar and you see dudes that are investors now that used to be wearing different hats. You look around and say, there's Warren Moon, there, there's this hockey player, there, yep. there's Mike Tyson. 
the real players are in town because a real show is in town. There's a mm. hell of a lot of difference in that uh, between uh, even what you experienced over on the other side of Niagara Falls, Mike. I mean, that was one that was a show that that correct me if I'm wrong. That I wasn't, tried to erase that show from my mind. <laughs> <laughs> I really right. did. I was like, where? <laughs> but in that case, didn't uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Was was that a thing that was like organized by someone that used to do concerts? And we're like, man, this, this, yep. <laughs> okay, this is not the yeah. same. Thing. And that actually wasn't that bad. I mean, they they were good at as far as organizing the show itself and the lead up. Um, you know, there was like some really really quirky things as far as set. Remember, we had like a really short window to set the booth up, Francesca. I remember a really we were short window ass to get a ten by twenty set up, and they didn't turn on the air conditioning in the building, so oh, everyone's sweating there. Yeah asses off they, trying yeah, to build their boots that. yeah they don't do that at the javits center either it's it's like going through yeah. the gauntlet yeah, yeah. house it yeah is. but um <laughs> you know i think the other part of it too we're talking about these different shows and what we're evaluating like the size of the show is is really important in terms of the number of booths and the you know attendees too because you know mj biz is awesome it's, it's vegas is great i mean i love sure. going out there mj biz is great but like i uh, in my opinion i don't know what you guys think I think they might have kind of outgrown themselves hundred uh, percent. In, in terms of like the sheer size and the amount of booths. If you're an attendee walking around they you can walk for the entire four days or three days or whatever many days it is. Yeah. You can walk full time open to close and may not be able to get through all the booths. May like not. It's, it's almost <laughs> too big. And I, and I know that like last year or the last time we were there, I remember day one, like, there was nobody even on our row until like noon because people enter usually one side or the other and start kind of weaving down the things. And we were kind of in the middle, so to speak, I think if I remember right, it's, mm -hmm. it's hard to tell because it's so goddamn big, but, mm -hmm. um, but I remember thinking like, Oh, well, pretty soon people start getting to us. And then it was, it was like a steady stream of like, you know, attendees coming around, but I almost feel like that show is getting too big. In, There's in a terms huge, of yeah. There's a huge difference, Mike, between, the last time we we exhibited MJ Biz and the first time, the first time it was just you and me, and we we were crazy. could barely yeah. go to the bathroom. There were so many people yeah. constantly, constant, and we were in the back. Like we had yeah. signed up kind of late, but mm -hmm. the show was just the right size that everybody you saw everybody. And you're right, with too many booths, it doesn't even with so many attendees, which are the two things that I think you need to look at: number of attendees and number of booths there is such a thing as too many and too few for both of those. If there's yeah. not enough booths, there's not going to be enough attendees. If there's not enough attendees, it's, oh my God, you're twiddling your thumbs bored to tears waiting for them to come to you. If there's too many booths, you're not going to see the attendees if you're in a bad position. So it all relates to each other and it definitely impacts what your objectives were. Yeah. yeah I and don't you think that, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead, Nick. No, 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 no. I, I just, uh, go ahead, Mike. No, I was going to say, I think one of the other things I noticed at those big shows is by sometimes by the time people get to you, let's say that it's like three or four in the afternoon, <laughs> they're almost like desensitized and like overwhelmed by like overstimulated or I don't know how the best totally. describe, Punch, they're like mummified. Yeah, yeah. They're coming around. They're like, Oh, and then they're like, wait, I think sales. Yeah. I need sales. Oh, you're what who what I've products been do you have? For. And then they're like, I can't, I don't know. I have to come back tomorrow. Cause I can't even think. Cause the people are, they're like, there's media coming at them, sounds, video, colors, like, you know, it's crazy. Yeah. And, and some people just like lock up. <laughs> and it, it seems to me that, that the, uh, what you're both touching on is that, that show in particular, and it has nothing to do with who's organizing it, or the, it's just the way things plan out. It, it's having a bit of an identity crisis where I don't know if they know if, the, if, 
are you a world's fair or are you a trade show? Because I don't, (laughs) I don't know how much business is actually getting done amidst the flash bang, look at this stuff. And, and it really is kind of, I think the business gets done, but the business gets done off site after hours. I mean, that's what that's, I mean, Francesca, you touched on networking or I touched on it. Somebody talked about networking, networking. (laughs) but like, um, I think it was me, but you know, a lot of the networking isn't done at the show. It's right. done at the parties and private parties and, you know, like the show's parties plus the private parties. That's that's what I think where a lot of the networking and business gets done predominantly and set yeah. up. Mike, do you think that's partly because um, it's like I, I want to get to know you. I think there's a lot of this in cannabis. I don't know about other industries. There's a lot of like, I want to know who I'm dealing with more. Th- and that's just as important as what you offer. And so that's why a lot of the stuff happens after hours. Or is it just you, if you're smart, you get in front of the people you need to get in front of after hours when their guards are down and, you know, you can actually speak one-on-one and you don't feel like you're selling on the trade show floor. Like I've always wondered about that. I think it's both. I I think, I think what you said is, is really insightful. And I think it's both of those things Um, because let me, let's face it. People want to do business with people. So you want to get to know, you know, the person or the company that you're going to be doing business with. But at the same time, especially in cannabis, people want to know like, all right, what's, what's this person really like Mm -hmm. and how are they going to handle themselves in a, when somebody starts passing the joint around. And, and so um, I, I, that's what I think, at least. I think there's a lot of both of those things going on and it's just more casual. And I mean, also, I mean, I know we were planning on before they got canceled last year. I know you and I specifically were saying, we're not going to work the booth this year because we mm-hmm. are, we need to be doing the nighttime events and you're fucking tired to go to the booth the next yeah. day. You're beat. So we were like, all right, yeah. let's go to the show some, but we're going to be at the show from like, two to four or something like that. You know what I mean? So we can like get your, get your rest in and be ready to go back out again. So and that's yeah, to go thing. that it's, night and to yeah. go back to the show the next day. Yeah. Especially when you're dealing with like the East coast time lag too, man. You're like, <sighs> you don't even know what time it is. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> you're like, wait, what? Yeah. If, if we could offer uh, a quick thing to people that are listening, that are thinking of going uh, as an exhibitor, can I ask you this as a quick hit? Um, somebody's going as, as an exhibitor for the first time. First time putting a booth together. What what could you pass along to people that are going to be doing this for the first time? Ooh. Hmm. Yeah, this is an interesting one. I think the most important thing is before you design anything or decide on anything else, other than you're going to the show and you're exhibiting, is you need to know what is your message um, in going there. So how are you going to actually convey what you want to sell, what you want to do, who you are to the people as they are walking by your booth. And Mike said something interesting just a a few minutes ago about it's really overstimulating in a trade show floor. You know, you're talking to person after person after person. There's people hawking you to come in and let me scan your card and let me get your business card and let me take things from you. And, oh, look at this screen. (laughs) Look at this demonstration. Listen to this pitch. All of that is happening constantly. And And so I liken it to your booth has to be Instagram scrollable because that's how people are operating. They're operating at an Instagram scroll kind of attention span. So (laughs) if you aren't capturing when they scan, you have seconds of their attention, not minutes, probably seconds to get and hopefully hold their attention. So 
your messaging has to be, well, we all want to be clever and cute and, and all of that. You are so much better off being clear. And yes, we want to tell everybody everything. So then they get it, except less is more here. Be concise because you need them to look across and be like, and even then it doesn't always work. We literally had a booth that said cannabis sales and marketing people. I would watch their eyes, read those three words, four words, whatever it is. And then they would turn to me and go, so what do you do? And it's like, did, did you not just read, honey? I, ans I answered questions. I'll be like, let me, I'm going to ask you that. What do you think I do? Because you got to have some fun. And that's honestly how you, you get them to engage is like keep them off balance a little bit. And you're not having, you're, you're disrupting the normal conversation flow that they've been in booth after booth after booth of they question, you, they get answers. Now it's like, just ask them some questions. Get some answers on Turn your the own. tables. Yeah. Definitely. You yeah. taught me that, Mike. And it was power because I was just like, I have to answer. I have to be perfect. I have to give them every, It's like, no, you got to yeah. have an engagement. That's all. Yeah. Right. yeah. So get your message clear. <laughs> that, is, that is true. I mean, because I've seen, I, I, I enjoy looking at, booth design and booth layout um because we we've designed a bunch so i always enjoy looking at what other people have done and say all right what do i like about that or what do i not like and then try to really you know keep that in our memory banks for ourselves and i think the simple clear messages is critical i think the colors is the other thing that i see like booths that i gravitate towards usually stand out because they don't look the same as the group so in cannabis everybody's got green in their booth. Mm -hmm. In fact, mm -hmm. our, the alias can booth was green, had mm -hmm. our logo was green, you know what I mean? But so that's when we started, we started the sales joke. We're like, we're not using, green's not going to be in the, in the palette. Um, you know, other clients we've worked for over the last, like probably 18 months, we've never put green in their, in their logos or in their, in their brand guide because yeah. you need to somehow differentiate. And yeah. I saw an overhead picture at MJ biz. I think it was, I don't even, I think it was, but it was like, us, you know, of the show, like from above. And, um, and it was crazy when you looked at the similarity of so many of the booths that all looked the same with like a, a leaf and green. I was just going like, to say a leaf and, and, and a like, green oh, and that's it. Give me a fucking yeah. break, man. You, like, so, you know, it, there's like some of them, the people that have forever had like that mammoth company. Yeah. Got I that. Loved there's mammoth. this orange yeah. and, and look at the, you know what I like about, look at their booth. It's orange and like white or something like that. They have that simple design of like the mammoth with their name and like maybe a tagline. That's it. Yep. They don't have a bunch of other horse shit and a bunch of other like words and like, things like that. It's super clean, super simple, and it stands out. And that's so, and you, and I look at those and I'm like, all right, that's a good one. You know, and, you, and there's a bunch of them that are, I think are exceptional, you know, but there's also a bunch that I'm like, I don't even, I can't even see them. You get like colorblind to them almost because they just blend right in with everybody else. It's like they took a PowerPoint slide and put it on a booth and they, and like the PowerPoint slide with too much text on it. Like yeah. that's what they did. Yeah. But you're right, Mike, you know, do you think mammoth, do you think something like that works because um, there's a curiosity gap or because there's almost like an, not an arrogance in a bad way, a confidence of, of rec brand recognition of like, that's right. I'm mammoth. I don't have to tell you what I do. You know what I do. Or, I'm mammoth. I'm not telling you what I do. So you have to ask. And now we're in a conversation and now I can figure out if I want to scan your badge or not. I think it's probably both. I mean, and, you know, there's, there's something you said about not limiting yourself as a company too. So if you're like, here's who we are and what we do, then if like, as you evolve, if you're locked mm -hmm. in on a really narrow scope, you're, you're all of a sudden you're like, Oh fuck, but now we got to redo our whole, like, 
booth and everything else. Cause you know, so it's, there's something to be said about being a little bit vague because it yeah. gives you latitude as you evolve because every company changes and evolves. I mean, we have. Yeah. Like, we dropped marketing know? and then yeah. before we even changed our whole company over. Yeah. To so I mean, strength. it's, if you don't evolve, you're probably going to go out of business. So, I mean, you almost need to think of that when you're doing your first booth is, is to be like, is to almost allow yourself to flex into accordion in and out, depending on which way you're going to evolve. I mean, that's why, you know, kind of like one of our pro tips for a, for a booth is we've always had a booth that's like, kind of like, what do you call those kind? Like the, like they kind of like accordion out, like that kind of like structure. They're like the 3D, like they've got the sides on graffiti walls. Yeah. That's what it was. And the reason that I've always wanted to go with those is because it's really inexpensive to get a new um, skin for it, basically. Yeah. Like a new, you know, you can redesign it, get it reprinted, and it's bam, it's, you know, $400 or something. So, you know, because we've, well, we had one booth that we never got shipped back from MJ Biz. <laughs> so we redesigned that one, but then we've probably bought like four skins that we, yeah. that came out bad. Um, <laughs> Let's just, say we bought, podcast now? let's just say we caught three skins. Um, <laughs> oh, oh, that went right over my head. I'm yeah. just going in a totally three. different direction. Yeah. Wow. All right, I'm getting, I did, I'm blushing. You can tell that wasn't in the uh, pre, in the script. Pre show prep. Yeah. No kind of, no notes about that here. Frank, we might have to edit that out. Um, <laughs> But anyway, like, but getting back to the point, like it's really easy to create a new facade for your, for your booth yeah. and inexpensive. And then we wanted to go from a 10 by 10 to a 10 by 20. We kept that same 10 foot one. And then we added some other elements to allow us to flex into a 20 foot space. So I think that's something that I would recommend anybody, anybody to consider as they're doing this, which is like, just know you're probably going to evolve. You're probably going to want to do different size booths. So give yourself as many options as you can without having to break the bank to create a new booth for every time you change your focus or you change your, the venue and you're going to get a different size booth space. These are, yeah. These are, yeah. These are great tips about standing out in a veritable sea of green that we've right. all seen and waited. The green through. wave. And, and, and really, <laughs> And, and leaving yourself room to adapt and evolve and to grow and maybe, you know, uh, you know, add on and, and reskin this thing. I, I always looked at uh, something that interests me out there. Uh, I was out and I, I, we were working with a grow light uh, manufacturer. And so one of the days, your favorite, uh, one of the days I tried to <laughs> do some scouting and researching other grow light companies there. And the good booths kind of stood out because there was a sparseness to them. You could see you could see the lights. They had different stuff. But other than that, there was no crap to draw people in that didn't need to be there. And I kind of dug the professionalism of it. Hey, you're looking at lights? I'm looking at a light for a grower. What part of the country? Washington. Oh, okay. Go over to uh, uh, Steve. Steve's worked there and knows him. And it was just like, bam, 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 business, business, business. Right. You know? right. And, and you could see that the people that were going into that booth meant business and were having good conversations. Whereas I, I kid you not, if you had one single goddamn lighter or um, uh, a koozie or any a pamphlet, <laughs> it doesn't even have to be a tchotchke. It can be like business related printed materials and people grab them. Like I'm just here. Well, we'll you know, we'll, 
we'll talk about those people, but like the, I'm just here for the free shit people. And so we actually learned the only giveaway that we leave out out are mints. It's a bowl of mints. Yeah. That's it. I'm that's not here to give you too, shit. By the way. Yeah. That goddamn yeah. bowl of mints is because that's for us. So that way that'll save a life. Can, yeah. <laughs> but you know, it is, I mean, but you know, you know, Francesca, when we first did MJ biz, we had like alias can koozies that we were, we had out and we said, we'd say get, you know, we wanted people to take, cause that we were trying to build the brand, yeah. you know, That's and true. stickers. And so that the purpose of that was intentional versus like the people that come like scavenging around your booth and like digging through shit to try to get a, a keepsake for who knows what. Yeah. Yeah. There is definitely a big difference because we did want people to remember who we were. And so those it was our first show and stuff. Yeah, like, yeah. Get it out there. Exactly. So you know, but then we like, still have some of those, by the way. Oh, yeah, we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just found some like in a box. I was like, whoa, throwbacks. <laughs> <laughs> so if, if we have, there's another insider tip, I think. Uh, I think you guys know where I'm going. So we know what we want in the booth. We know that if we've manufactured tchotchkes to build that brand, brand awareness is very important. <laughs> There's one thing that you shouldn't have out on that table, guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, c- c- would you be so kind as to share that I tip? Know. What's that? Oh, yeah. Oh. You don't want your business cards out there, friends. <laughs> oh, yeah. It seems yeah. so none counterintuitive. Of your business. <laughs> but it is none of your business to have my business card unless you want them to. So here's what happens, okay? If you... if you're unfamiliar with this world or this scenario. You leave a stack of business cards out there and people walk by and they pick up your business card. And if you're new, you're thinking, yay, that's great. They're interested. They're going to contact me. No, no, I'm so sorry. What they're doing is they're putting you on their mailing list so that they can sell you booth space at a trade show that they're going to start or so they can sell you something of theirs that you never asked for, were not qualified in or out for, had no conversations up, and now you're getting spammed left, right, and center. So please don't leave your business cards out. Just save yourself. And it's also a little like, it's also a little funny to watch if we have everybody's business cards out and to see whose card gets taken the most. If it's like somebody that's talked a lot, or if it's like the only female in the booth, or who <laughs> are they? Are they scanning the titles to see who's the decision maker? Yeah. So they're getting their your business card for their benefits. So hold on to them and make them earn it, so that yeah. you can be like. Do I actually want you to have my contact information? Is there business that we can do together? If so, So, here's my card. So here's a reveal, Francesca. Uh Here's a reveal about that. I never, like when somebody comes up and I can have your card, I'm like, yeah, I give them your card all the time. (laughs) Or Nick's card. I never give my card. Uh, If it's just a random like that, I'm always like, yeah. And I'll be like, look, she's, talk to her. She's handling, she'll definitely be one that you can follow up with. Like I never give my card out. In fact, I usually don't put them on the table. I, I keep them in my pocket because there, it does annoy me. Like we'd never put them out. So we put them on like a side table near the back of the booth just for like extra pamphlets or whatever else. And like, you'll see people like rolling in, like sneaking into the booth almost to look at the cards. It's like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is, that's a good, another one to our listeners. Good insider tip. You can really just screw with the rest of your team. I yeah. think I did that before too. Really annoying guy handing him a card. And I was like, it just doesn't say Nick. So we're good. And I remember, yeah. And so like, Francesca's is like, true? look how many of my cards got given out. This is awesome. I'm like, yeah, you're awesome. You sure it's great. <laughs> Hero. Yeah. 
So look, since we're <laughs> that's a good one. Since we're you almost, that? you seriously never knew that. I don't remember never, knowing you've it. never done that to anybody else. I you have. know what? I actually Once. think the last Kyle? show we did, I did do that. I, I must have, you must have told me that because you were like, stop giving out your cards. Give out somebody else's cards. I was like, what? <laughs> I'm tired of years of watching you give your card. I'm like, oh, come on, sister. <laughs> Yeah. Get with the program. <laughs> you get you get home and all of a sudden you're on these goddamn mailing lists. And uh, I'm like, I'm like, I never had a conversation with wizard pins. Hi, wizard pins. You're sweet people, but but I I, I, I you're very nice to interact with. But I was like, I, what the hell? Funny. Um, so let me we're we're right on this X that I wanted to land on, guys. Oh, perfect. We're talking about maybe we, you know, last tip, no business cards. Don't fill that bill, that booth with with just items that is going to attract uh, the crowd. Tell me about this crowd. So we're we're at the show. Take us through the landscape, guys. Um, wh who are the people in this neighborhood oh God, that I'm going to encounter? There's a lot so of. Many. Let's have Frank join us for this too, because yeah. he's been to a number of shows. Yeah, and I bet he's got some characters in mind. He's earned um, his stripes. How you doing, Frank? <laughs> I'm good. How are you guys? Uh, good. Good to be with you again. Good to be here. Hey, Nate, Who? did you did you pass out my cards to people? Now that's, <laughs> now that's going through my head. <laughs> no, no, honestly, I, I've never done that to you. Uh, I, I, I Frank and I've worked, you know, two shows together and I always love working with Frank. But uh, in New York, I wouldn't do that to you. It was your first show and you were doing so well. You were you were killing. So I wouldn't do that to you. But I did. I did pass out a teammate's card once and the guy just looked at me and was like, thanks, Cheryl. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, hey, don't ask. Don't tell. We're going to get. But where is take us through this landscape in the cast of characters? What, Francesca, you wanted Frank to, to lead off here? Oh, no, no, I want to I want to start with this. OK, one because there is I there, want the ball. I want it. <laughs> <laughs> I have something to say. Since my cards are given out. I'm taking the mic. Um, I think <laughs> I think one of my least favorite people in the trade show are the um, the lunch eaters, the sitters, the the people who are chewing in your face and like spitting their lunch as they're talking uh, to you as though disgusting. anything is urgent enough to have that happen. And it's just so, so <laughs> grimy feeling. I think, like the, let me ask you a question. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A sub or he knows what, like a hot dog or it's like, ugh. oh, they're just rough. They're so rough. And I'm like, I get it. If you're just, you can finish chewing and then we can talk. I'm here all day, Or how about just honey. eat like, this before you anywhere. roll the tiles too? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Listen, yeah. Bob's sack of donuts. They eat back <laughs> at the round tables by the thing. Yeah, that is annoying. Yeah. Yeah. But I also it, you hate know, it, it when it's exhibitors too. Like if they're the, yeah. sitting in their booth and eating as I'm walking and being like, aren't you supposed to be working the show i yeah. mean isn't there a behind the scenes somewhere else you can do that so you're not man spreading shoving your face with food as i'm like oh i feel like this is not the most welcoming yeah. situation so would you ever okay. share like would like take a like a french fry or like share any of their food 
Oh my God, no. <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> We're talking about a pre-COVID word I'd, world. I'd say hell no, but now yeah, it's yeah, you want a fry, I Frank? You Frank, you'd take hands. a fry, wouldn't you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, oh, I, I think. Yeah, I knew no. Frank would. No. <laughs> so the yeah the the chewer talkers are blech, they make yeah. me want to vomit. So we don't like both the stationary and the roaming rolling. Lunch eater, brunch eater, whatever. Yeah. Mike, what, Mike, what about you? Give me you know, another. Those they kind of lead into one of the ones, which is why we have the mints, which is like <laughs> the halitosis people, like the bad breath. Because that's oh, the thing too. Like you'll get a guy who either hasn't eaten all day and now has like super rank breath, or he had like an onion or a hot dog and he's like burping <laughs> hot dog, and it's like, can you have a mint? Do us all a favor. It's it's also it's one of my major talkers when they're that yeah yeah this is you know this actually reminds me of like a seinfeld like reunion almost because they are close talkers in there <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah like, high talkers close talkers low talkers because <laughs> that's bad too if they have bad breath and they're a low talker and you can't hear and then you have to go in close and you're like oh yeah god damn it uh, I love when people see that bowl and they're like, wow, that's such a smart thing. I needed one of these. And you're like, dude, it's self-defense. Yeah. <laughs> it's all this. Yeah, it's not for <laughs> you, buddy. It's for me. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Fifth year. And there are people that will. I was saying something. My bad. <laughs> I just. You I paused. Just At least like, there's, there's a delay on my end and I'm freezing. No, I did pause. No, I did pause. Um, I think that there is something to be said about like the, the talkers turn into the time wasters a oh, lot of yeah. times. Yeah, yeah. Those are my time, time burglars. Time burglars. All they want to talk about is stuff that has nothing to do with anything that you're trying to achieve. And you don't want to be rude because you never know what kind of opportunity is actually in front of you, but they end up just stealing so much of your time. And then they're like keeping you in a conversation as like a line is coming up and it, you can't even get to real opportunities because you've got this freaking time burglar. And the worst is when they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they set down their bag <laughs> or they sit down in your chair and you're like, no, 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 yeah. no, no. Yeah, keep it moving. We don't have time for this. <laughs> keep it moving, buddy. You know you're in for it if they sit down and you're like, oh my God. Oh, the sit down is rough. Yeah. But you don't want to bypass it because it could be the one guy that has the credit card workaround for cannabis. <laughs> <laughs> It could be him. Aiming so you processors. Never, you never want to, Aiming processor, Paul. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we could totally miss they're, that opportunity. They're at every show. Oh, yeah. yeah. They're yeah. usually layered in with the time wasters. No <laughs> doubt. No doubt. Sorry. Sorry, no. processors. Oh, God, no. Now, they're not. Frank, you're a veteran of, of a few shows now. Um, tell us uh, a colorful uh, character that, that you've run into. I would say like the next character on my list would be what we call the professional group <laughs> or the frat booth. Now this booth, you can hear this from across the room, right? It's the college oh, yeah. group or young professionals. They're blasting music. They're loud. They're you know talking all over the place. Um, they're usually hitting on either a family member in my case or a coworker. <laughs> You have to tell that story. Yeah, I, yeah Frank, you can't walk story. around that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, cliffhanger. All right, so there's obviously a booth that, you know, um, we were one of their clients, and they did work. some site design for us. Yeah, work. Um, but yeah, I this was in New York at CWCBE, and I 
actually invited my mom to come to the show because she's a professional photographer. So I thought it'd be a great opportunity for us to get, you know, some back behind the scenes shots. Um, she could walk the floor and take some pictures just to document the whole trip. And uh, we went up to this booth because, you know, lo and behold, on their TV, they had our website up there. So we're like, oh, let's just take some shots here. And one of the professionals, I won't say his name, Mike, you might want to say his name, but <laughs> decided to strike up a conversation with my mom and not me. I knew he knew me already, but decided to ask my mom a bunch of questions. And I'm like, all right, you know, just let, I'll let it go for now. And he's asking, you know, how long has your son been working at the company and you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, shouldn't you be asking me the questions? <laughs> like, why? <laughs> like, totally bypassing me. And I thought that was the rudest thing ever. Jerk. Jerk. Well, you're just not as hot as your mom, I guess, Frank. Yeah, that's, that's just what, what it comes down to. You yeah. weren't that guy's type. She was. Hey, would you like some potato chips? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> and we can we have insider tips too on how to avoid getting to the professional booth. You usually see a, a faint trail of rock star energy drink mixed with weight gainer, and it's just like a little pathway, like they left crumbs for the other the other professionals <laughs> to get there. <laughs> Man, I'm sorry about oh that, Frank. God. And I'm so sorry, guys, for our listeners. We didn't know that till today. Yes, we did. Uh, well, I did because I, I wasn't at that. that show. I just found this out before we started recording. <laughs> this is new to me. I, I think I knew about it. Yeah. Frank has been suppressing it for two years. <laughs> not thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> oh Except in home where he sharpens a knife, being like, that next one. I'm ready for this one. <laughs> You know who's usually, in addition to the professionals, and sometimes there's a crossover here, are the know-it-alls, um, the oh, yeah. the like big timers, big talkers. I just made a million dollar deal on the floor, guys. That are norm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're <laughs> annoying because they're. It's like their egos are dependent upon making others feel like they're doing an inadequate job at the show. Yeah. And that's what I find offensive is like, I'm working my ass off. And if you're just making shit up about your success yeah. then it, and, and sharing it specifically for me to feel small, I got issue with that. Those guys yeah. are always toppers too. Like yeah. If you're like, yeah, God, we had like, I'm looking at, I had like 86 leads before lunch. You're like, we had 186 leads. Like, they've always <laughs> yeah. like one upping. They're toppers, in my personal opinion, toppers are always name droppers. Yeah. So, like, oh, we, we went out last night with uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. And you're like, shut up. You did not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You saw him in line at the taxi stand. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. I always <laughs> love the, the toppers. And the big timers where their point is so easily proven to be a lie yeah. and they'll still lie to you. Well, you'll be at a show where no one is actually selling things. No one's actually acting as a retailer and selling CBD. And there'll be a CBD table across from me. The guy we make a relationship with him. He's like, man, I haven't sold a damn thing. That's just not this kind of show, I guess. And the guy three spaces down. Oh, I've sold them uh, 750 grand so far. Like, yeah. Everyone yeah. else is telling us they got murdered at this thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You don't, you don't have to win over everybody else, which means that my favorite, my favorite kind of booth or um, character to run into a show is the, um, the phantom booth exhibitor, the, like the ghost booth. Is that which, the, em the empties? 
the empty. <laughs> there, there is. No, it's like having the middle seat in a plane open next to you. Yeah. It is awesome because now you've got your ten by ten or your ten by twenty, and right next to you is somebody that showed up, laid out some material, some printed material, and you never, <laughs> you never saw them again, except to break down. And you're like, well, I don't know where you went, but. Now that's that's kind of my booth. Like <laughs> I just gained them, some real estate. You see them at the end of the show, and they're like four shades tanner than they were before because they've been yeah. sitting by the pool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always intrigued by the Phantom Booth people because I'm like, man, I know how much this costs. Yeah, <laughs> like, you know what though? Maybe they have something figured out. Maybe they are doing their networking and yeah. doing their business outside of the show. I mean, that's me being generous and everything because Mike's yeah. giving me the give me a break look yeah, but you don't spend I, that much money for the booth yeah you <laughs> could just go walk the show and be fine yeah but, exactly yeah what do, you, what do you guys think of this one because I think this this is the one that I think stings me the most because <laughs> in my you know in my limited experience I'd be like oh yeah man we got it so I call these people um I call them closer posers where <laughs> oh, I know those you, people you are 100 you're almost 100% certain that you just got a client because they'll uh, even make this dramatic show where they'll be like hey hey before i get out of here though i want to say one thing i want partners like mike and francesca yeah. i want salespeople like you oh, and frank and you're going to hear from me next week all right i got to go and you'll be like holy <laughs> shit man we just got one um, yeah. <laughs> you never hear from them again we ever. have never ever ever because we star those we go in the lead thing we scan them in we're like fuck yeah 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 yeah. and then like we're never have landed one in fact it's rare to even talk to them after the show yeah, yeah. like you yeah. try to call them and, and like you can never get them on the phone even because they've told a hundred people the same shit the same lie. <laughs> I, i'm glad i never remembered those guys nick because i kind of put them out of my mind too until you just mentioned them now i'm getting pissed Man, Closer posers, <laughs> posers always get me because we'll be walking back to the bar and I'd be like, we got that one, mother. You know, like yeah. fist bump and we're ready to roll. And then <laughs> we just paid for our booth. All right. <laughs> uh, Francesca, you had that one uh, that I was dead sure we had a really big. Remember, they, you pre-qualified them. They had a really big marketing budget. We put put this proposal together. And also, it's like, eh. Uh, oh, sorry. We don't have any budget. We're not actually yeah. doing that so marketing you, project anymore. Oh, so, you know, here's one. This leads into that. The person you were working with, the the, the lady who you were working with, I would classify her oh. as one of the characters that I actually don't mind these characters, but I, but I see them a lot. And then sometimes I am this character, <laughs> which is what I would call the hundred proofers. Like, so people that are either drinking while they're walking around, like once the, like the bar thing opens up, Cause she was all liquored on wine. I remember yeah. her like crushing red wine in our booth. And I was like, God damn. Um, but <laughs> like, purple or so it's yeah, purple teeth, but uh, so it's people who are drinking while they're walking around, which usually isn't a big deal, but like, it's more of like the early morning people who are still hammered from the night before. And they like reek of liquor when they walk up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, Definitely need those mints and, <laughs> and, and like shower. a breakfast sandwich. Yeah, a sandwich. Yeah. Go do something with yourself. The hundred proofs are great, and I think they can. They're usually keep, fun. Yeah, they can. Always I've keep been a hundred proof. I can freaking tell you that right now. I mean, that I've does not surprise me. I have been that guy. 
be it always seems like they're they barely are hanging on and be like no i've been here since 10. <laughs> and, like, and, they, and they can't even remember like what they're thinking like i gotta i gotta do a set in a few like you're not an entertainer you're you do payment yeah. processing oh my god <laughs> The hundred proofs are a classic one, which leads to that's almost like the next day. Let's let's talk last day, because uh, I know uh, Frank, you've got a group of people that you, I, if I recall correctly, you had a great run in. Uh, so who shows up on that last day? Yeah, again, this is what we call the Sunday morning weirdos or the last day weirdos. And I had an unfortunate run in uh, again, of course, in New York City. What other place in the world would you run into a weirdo? <laughs> Last day, at this point, we've been standing in our booth for 72 plus hours. So we're like, mm -hmm. let's just, you know, talk to the last couple people. Let's get packed up. Let's hit the road and go back home. Of course, some guy comes up to me and I'm saying some guy, he was probably, he was older. He was, he was probably in the sixties, but he came up. He's to in me. his thirties. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's old to me. Um, Watch it, fetus. <laughs> So he comes up to me and he, he's wearing a bunch of badges with like UFOs and aliens on it. I'm like, what does this guy have to ask me about? Because again, our booth sells sales and marketing. So how can I help this guy? He starts diving into his story and he, he, he says that he wants to grow cannabis on the moon. And he mm. has this whole plan about it as on can. as far as the timeline, when he's going to get there, who he's going to bring, what kind of strains. Really? And at this point, I'm like, am I hallucinating? Like, what is this guy talking about? <laughs> oh, I'm like, I, I'm like, sir, I the I, license I isn't as expensive it. on the moon. He's got a good idea. The licensing is much <laughs> yeah, more affordable. It's just the transport fees. That's it. He's just got to get a distributor for that. And I'm like, oh sir, I, I can't help you, but I know somebody who does. You see those professionals right down there? <laughs> yeah. 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 That's a nice pass off. Good. That is good way to tell uh, my mom said hello. <laughs> you know, that, that makes me think of a weird category. We didn't even bring this up. We didn't discuss it, but we discovered them in New York. Frank, do you remember we had like the budget or premature showgoers where we were setting up our booth? The show was not open. Oh, my God. And there were roaming groups of foreign investors. And they would like, I don't know why they kept picking me, but they would send someone over to talk to us who had learned the word decision maker and would point to themselves. And I'm like, I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this. And the show didn't start. So get the, uh, but yeah, they were trying to drum up business as we were all setting up. They're pre-show predators. There ah. are people that are walking around before the show starts, whether they're exhibitors or investors or whoever, I don't know how they get in but yeah. they do and they walk around and try to get in early to get you off guard or, you know, like yeah. seal you in or something. A lot of shows like really try to keep that riffraff out of there because mm -hmm. like a lot of times I've seen those guys taking pictures of booths that aren't theirs, like trying to like steal IP basically. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like yeah. there's some securities. That's like, that's a miss on the show because the show needs to get them out of there. Cause that, that is bad. That's annoying too. What do you think um, we are? Like if I don't think we're anything that, well, I mean, Mike's a hundred proof for sure, but now and then, but um, like other than that, what's our category as show exhibitors and walkers and stuff? What do you think we would be called? People usually refer to me as the interesting man. <laughs> and, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> so I think, I think 
I would say like a category that we didn't talk about is probably where I would tend to gravitate toward, which is I have how I've seen you guys walk shows. It's like more like a detective, like trying to walk around and, and like learn about what somebody's doing, learn if there's a fit for what we do with what they do, understand if somebody's a competitor or not. Like so it's a, it's a lot of asking questions to really understand more of like the structure of the industry and like where we fit versus others and is there synergy or not synergy. So I think like it's a more, a lot more of like detective work where you're, you're we're and what we're doing it for is like hopefully find people to do business with or to partner with or some ally with, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I feel like that is mostly what we do if we're like walking the show. I think you're right. You know, I remember in that DC show, we were walking by black dog lighting <laughs> and we were, we went up to the booth because we were like, all right, could we do sales for a lighting company? And we're like, we have no idea what kind of pricing, like what it costs for a lighting system. How many lights do people buy? How much is a light? All We had like a ton of questions. Is do they have salespeople or not? Like what's right. their value chain look like? Yeah. Right, right. And so you were trying to get an answer about pricing on the lights. And this guy would, you were like, so like, what's a typical outfit cost? And he was like, it really depends. And we were like, okay, so just like, give me like a ballpark. He's like, there is no ballpark. We're like, well then how many lights do you usually sell an outfit? He's like, it just, it totally depends. Like he would not answer the question until finally Mike was like, how much is this light right <laughs> here? How much does it cost? And then, and then he finally gave him an answer. He's like, okay, how much can it, that light grow? And it was like, you had to reverse engineer to yeah, see exactly. if there was an opportunity. I don't know wow. what he was scared of or if he just didn't know. He's just but being he- a dick. I mean, but like, <laughs> but like that was one where like, I remember like that was the first time I think you and I walked a show and I was yeah. like, and you were like, hey, so what's your approach? How do you walk a show? So I kind of got on the spot because I was like, yeah, I'd like walk up and just ask questions. And most people are pretty good. And so this guy was being a real hardhead and wouldn't answer shit. So like, I was like, I can't really back down now because I'm like trying to like put Show a good me. example on. Yeah. And so I was like, I'm just like, I'm just going to keep asking goddamn questions. And so I remember like we were doing it. Was it was really funny. <laughs> it was like a total like head battle. It was like, <laughs> and like, finally I got the information. I was like, all right, great. Thanks. And then like, we left. <laughs> like, it was pretty funny. I forgot about that until you said that. Did you take his business card? <laughs> no. no, no, I didn't. Yes. Nope. And he didn't scan me either. It nope. was it was not good. Like we were if we if I ran into him that night, nobody was buying drinks. I can tell you that. It wasn't a good interaction. <laughs> so funny. Yeah, question. there's a lot of characters, a lot of characters at a trade show. And you just have to know who you're dealing with because there's so many times that the reason you want to know the characters is to know what you're getting into. And not everybody is worth scanning the badge and not everybody's worth giving your business card to, or is even worth a conversation. But unfortunately you do have to have those conversations to figure sure. that out and define these characters. And then, and then you can move forward with that knowledge. So we're not actually writing the value of an individual person off or anything. We're making light of the fact that it's easy to get caught up in this is a trade show. If somebody's excited to talk to me, that equals a certain return on my investment. And that's just not the case. So we want everybody to be wary and aware of that yeah. when they go in to do their shows. Well, and I think the other part too, Francesca, and everything you said is dead on. But I think the other part too is that working a show is is a big commitment. And I, that's one of the things I know we're going to get into as far as the, what we're doing this fall. But is But there's a lot that goes into it. There's a lot to do at the show and there's a lot that goes 
after the show that you need to do. But like at the show itself, it's a grind. It's a long oh days. God, it's it's tiring and this and that. So yeah. like coming up with these characters is like, is kind of our way of like keeping it fun and keeping yeah. it light and like, and you know, making a game of it almost. And because if you take it too serious, like it's a big burnout waiting to happen. So this kind of makes it fun. And, you know, we discover new, new personalities all the time walking around the show. And that's, that's, that's a lot of the fun of it. It is. It really is. That's, that's well said, Mike. Yeah. And having to put on, I like the way you classify it. Having to put on that detective hat is kind of a, it's kind of a cool thing because you really are trying to like sift through things and saying, where do we fit? Who, who do we fit with? And that, that takes some real work. And I think that's what we were trying to do today is to kind of strip away this misconception that a trade show is a one or two day vacation, you know, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> unless you're a ghost exhibitor, then I guess it is. <laughs> then it is. <laughs> but to, to pony on what Mike said, uh, yeah, we try to talk a little bit about, you know, pre-show work and, and things you should look at. Um, but as far as the work that needs to go on during the show and, and, and after the show, um, that's where we're going to have some fun uh, come this fall. So one of the things that we wanted to talk to you guys about before we say goodbye today was uh, this is just part one of our trade show special. And when we actually when the, when the shows come back and when we're at the shows, we've got some plans on what we're going to do uh, with that material. Frank, you want to add something here? Yeah, Nick, of course. Um, so what we're planning on doing is like getting a whole be- behind the scenes look at, you know, setting up the show, being at the show and what we do, you know, in our fun time, as we call it before the after parties. Um, so it's going to be more of like a vlog version kind of a um, episode, um, just so you guys can see exactly what goes on behind the scenes and, you know, meet us a little bit more. Yeah, we're going to have to be fun action. Yeah, we're going to have the infused. We're going to have the set of mics out there. We're going to be talking to some interesting people and giving you some feedback right from the show about what, what's going on and what we see and what we like and probably some stuff about what we don't like as well. <laughs> yeah, we don't hold back. So, <laughs> <laughs> Guys, is it OK if I hit you with a question or two before we get out of here today? Only Absolutely. if Mike goes first. Only if Mike. Mm. What the hell is this? throwing you under the bus <laughs> two quick questions two quick easy questions because because it's summertime as we said at the beginning of this thing it's summer always reminds me of being a, a kid and when when it was the first second of summer how liberating and how wonderful that felt so i want to i want to know quick answer mike patterson you hear the chimes the chimes of mr softy the chimes of jack and jill what's your reaction Ooh. and what are you going for I'm running to my mom to get money and then I'm hauling ass to the, to the truck, to the ice cream truck. And I'm getting um, the chocolate eclair. Chocolate eclair. It's a great, great pick. Fifth year. What did you have in your region? Was it Mr. Softy? Was it Jack and Jill? Uh, Mr. Softy. All right. And what was, what was your go-to? The go-to was either uh, like vanilla milkshake or the firecracker uh, ice pop. Wait, you Fire had milkshakes? Yeah, we never yeah. had milkshakes. What? Is this a Jersey thing? <clears throat> I mean, it must be. You know, we know how to serve ice cream. You do. <laughs> we're very oh. bougie up north. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just glad we didn't get a response with Frank. We're like, ah, you know, I've never tried ice cream. And, uh, <laughs> uh, because that, that would have just been amazing. I got and, chicken and, cutlets and, inside <laughs> a penne. <laughs> uh, I love that that, that uh, rocket is still one of the most popular things going yep. for the ice cream truck. It's crazy. Francesca, what was your go-to? 
my go-to, um, and it was a Jack and Jill truck most of the time, I believe. Mm -hmm. uh, usually at the pool, it would pull up and then all the kids would run well, out yeah. and go and line up for the truck. Money. Loved a bubble play. It was this pink. It's a pink baseball glove with a, gubble, a bubble gum baseball. baseball in the middle. So wow. it's impossible to find anymore. Yeah. I, I hate that it's been like written out of our history because God, I loved that pink ice cream so much. It was delicious, wow. but it was always tricky because you had to like, you know, eat the five fingers, but make sure you were catching the stuff before it dripped. There was it sounds a science like a mess. to it. Yeah, it sounds yeah. like a mess. Delicious yeah. mess. The pool. There's always some poor sap that stubs his toe running to the ice cream oh, truck yeah. too. Oh, oh it's yeah. usually me. <laughs> 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 that was a casualty of the summertime season. What about Worth you? Worth it. <laughs> uh, it was a pain in the ass because if I heard those chimes, I had to start prepping my debate skills because my mom would give me the, we have ice cream right here. And I'd be like, you don't, oh, you don't no. understand what's in that truck. Yeah. And, and, and uh, so if I got through the debate, if I won, my dad was usually pretty cool and be like, just go get the goddamn ice cream. It was, they made a WWF bar that was cookie, vanilla ice cream, and then chocolate on the bottom. It was perfection in a bite. Nice. And if you got, unless you got the, uh, you know, the hillbilly gym bar, then it was kind of uh, messy. Um, but <laughs> the other thing, one more summer movies. I was thinking back and this was a popular topic uh, in journalism last week because of a, a, a movie that contained one of these. Francesca, what Lopers. was a movie that scarred you as a child? Was there a particular scene that just you couldn't get past? Oh, um, if there was any animal getting hurt, it it was lights out, movie over. Okay, yeah. okay, let's do this. What was the movie that you showed me on a date? That here's the here's the setup. Okay, well, here's, we, the, here's no no. This is why this is a timed show, and we've already disqualified you because I said as a child, and she's oh, like, oh, here's one okay. as a date. Ooh. Yeah, that's oh. true. Uh, no, you lose that. your yeah. No, uh, Free Film. Willy. Free Willy was hard. I'll never go back to Free Willy. It was beautiful and everything, but I can never go back to Free Willy. It's yeah. it's too hard. Yeah, that that was scarring, and then I learned all about Sea World and how awful it is. And I just. Again, as an adult, man, she would have, oof. See, they, 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 that was powerful. Absolutely scarred her, Mike Patterson. Wow. Did you have a movie experience like that when you were a, when you were a kid? Yeah, I think for me it was probably, there was a movie called The Deep, and it's like a precursor to like Jaws type thing where Ooh. it's like you're somebody swimming and something comes up from the water underneath them. And I remember this vividly. I was like little at a drive-in movie theater with my family. And in a, like an old station wagon. So I was like single digits, probably. I don't even think I was Oof. 10. And I remember this goddamn scene and scared the shit out of me. And I remember I wouldn't like I didn't want to go in the pool. Like ocean scared me for years. You know, it was rough. Wow. Deep. Yeah. Man, I'm sorry. They yeah. you. Again, again, do you watch from... Jaws now? Like, yeah. have you seen Jaws? OK, does yeah. it bother that's you? scary, too. Yeah. Cause I'm in the, I, I live at the beach. So like I'm in the ocean all the time in the Delaware water, you can't see shit. So I'm yeah. always like, what's out there? Like that still bothers me. <laughs> well, that was a new summertime tradition. <laughs> Could you do that? The thing where they put the screen, the movie screen out on a barge and people go out on tubes and watch Jaws. I don't think I uh, they the did that on the bay. They did that on the base. I would not. absolutely do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Frank's just like, nope, no, no, no. 
Nope. <laughs> Frank, <laughs> Frank, what movie that scarred you as a kid? Couldn't get past it. I, it was the same. I mean, Jaws, of course. Like, wow. And I used to always vacation down in, um, in Florida. And I remember watching it for the first time down there in my family. And it ruined the whole vacation for me because I didn't go <laughs> more than three feet into the water. I'm like, I'm absolutely not doing it. Yeah. Frankie, <laughs> get in the water. Come on. Yeah. No, Frank's I'll, like, I'll go back in the pool. Frank's <laughs> not going to not gonna end up like that Kittner kid. We're not going <laughs> to be no. in the shark's stomach. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, what I about you, Nick? Uh, the thing that did immense damage was I, mean, I have two older sisters and you know, like if your siblings like the film, like, Oh, you can't wait to show him this. They show me this film called, um, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. It was about a flying car. Um, and the goddamn movie is in this dystopian world where children are slaves and there's a character called the children catcher and he drives around what's supposed to be an ice cream cart. And it drops. It's really just a big cage that he gathers children in. What? Scared, scared the shit out of me. He's like, a, he's a movies, pedophile. Yeah, the movies and he looked that like were a, made for kids have yeah. like no business being shown to kids. Back <laughs> he's basically, in the day. a pedophile. <laughs> Seriously, yeah, yeah. Why didn't Nick like the, the Nick? You should be that for Halloween this year. The children catcher. <laughs> That might yes. like eradicate yes. all those childhood fears if you're yeah. that character. Oh, and that's, it. A, that's a way to <laughs> just gain a sterling reputation on the streets of my city. Um, <laughs> guys, guys, this was fun, man. Thank you so yes, much. Sir. A lot of fun. Good times. Always. See you guys. See everyone on the trade show floor. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to see you on the trade show floor, if not sooner, on another episode of Infuse. The next time we do one of these from Delahue, Delawat, Delaware. Be good now. We'll see you. Bye. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. How do cannabis CEOs balance growth and optimization strategies? What is THCO, Delta 10, and CBNA, and why should you care about these minor cannabinoids? And why is an endocannabinoid system covered in medical school? Most people think they're up to date in trends in the cannabis industry, but they're about six weeks behind. Learn about what is truly next in the cannabis space by joining myself, Brian Fields, and Kellen Finney every week on the Dime Podcast and, of course, on PodConnects.